and gentlemen, and welcome to the Shindig and Archaeology podcast brought to you by the Red River Archaeology Group. My name is Luke Barry, and with me as always is your usual host, Dr. Tom Horn. Tom, what's the story? Um, the story today really is where we just want to do a sort of celebration of creativity in archaeology. So that's obviously sort of to link in with the, the Council for British Archaeology's Festival of Archaeology, which is starting today um, for the next couple of weeks. And I think as you're going to go on to say, it's it's something that's really close to our heart at all times, that creativity, creating content, um, and getting people interested in, in archaeology and trying to share that enthusiasm and, and love for it that, that we have. Yeah, what, what struck me about this uh, this festival is the merging of archaeology and creativity. And obviously, I'm an outsider to archaeology, but storytelling is something that is dear to me. I'm a former playwright, actor, as former as you can be in any of those things. And um, the... What struck me from doing these podcasts with you and from being involved with an archaeology company is that storytelling and archaeology are the same thing, effectively. Like, what you do is storytelling, correct? Yeah, we were, you know, you're getting, as I always say in archaeology, it's like we're ever, only ever going to get 0. 0.0000 repeating 1% of the story. Yeah. But you have to tell a story. You have to make a coherent narrative. And with all the caveats of, like, this is as far as we know, you still have to say, based on the evidence we have, this is the story that we can tell at the moment, and it will change in the future. But for now, this is this 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 is where we are. So, you know, we have to tell a story because, you know, we've got all these brilliant funders, we've got all these brilliant partners, and, you know, we can't just sort of keep it in the ivory tower. You know, we have to be able to tell it so that everyone can understand it. And there, we can't believe that, you know, we're the, you know, we're, I say we're the gatekeepers. We've got to make it accessible to everybody and and kind of fun because inherently it is fun and it is it is fascinating. Yeah, before we, before we started recording, you said that uh, a friend of yours, you, what was the quote you said about? Um... Uh, da, 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 my, my, old, my old buddy Dan Snow, um, great of you know history hit and and is a huge, brilliant brilliant outreach, and he said something along the lines of you know everything uh, history is everything that's ever happened, and you know so you've got to really be interested in history and archaeology because you're interested in something and that's come out of the past, you know, mm. so we, we all, we all love it. Sometimes we're just not aware what we love is history and archaeology as well. You know, there are remnants of it in the past. It's coming out of something that that sporting team we like that, you know, that TV program we like that book we're reading at the moment that, you know, that will have its roots in, in, in the past. So, you know, we we do we do all love it, and it's I suppose our job and you, the job that you do so well with with all your video and audio content is is making that fun uh, and very visually attractive for for you know everybody hopefully around the world to enjoy. Yeah, and absolutely, and that's where I think what we do and what this festival does so well is finding these I suppose new mediums like podcasting, like videos to tell old stories. I guess. Um, and that's what we're doing with this podcast. So I want to ask you a few questions um, about the podcast. You started as a guest on it in season one, um, talking about your book and talking about uh, Vikings and all that kind of stuff. But you had the opportunity to interview a lot more people in season two. So yeah, I suppose you got yeah. a, a promotion to inter from interviewee to interviewer. 
how was that first of all for you so like when you were interviewing people what were you learning about say yourself about your own um knowledge of archaeology from interviewing these amazing people that we've had on well, I suppose anyone who knows me knows it's not a surprise that I can I can talk <laughs> and like and like to talk. So it confirmed that I, I I did enjoy talking and also that I like chatting to my pals and in, in much in the way of these things, the first ones you do because you're nervous and you just need help. You know, we all need a little help from our friends, uh, as the Beatles uh, uh, put it. That you know you're talking to your friends, but I think the 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 weird thing was that suddenly you're sort of talking to your friends in a sort of professional environment. Yeah. And you know, the way that you, you have friends that are brilliant archaeologists or or medics or the worlds of finance or law or anything. And I but you're talking to them as someone you've known for 10, 20, 30 years, your whole life, say. Um, and then you're talking to them as a professional adult and you're a professional adult. And I think you... You suddenly to have to respect them, is that? Is that what? <laughs> yeah, yeah, a little bit, yeah. <laughs> and, the, and them to me, which is stranger, stranger for them, I think. Um, that, yeah, you, you, you know, you're, you're suddenly, yeah, I said that you're suddenly, suddenly grown-ups and you're, you're talking about something important mm. and you, you want to make a good impression because, you know, the, 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 the virtue... And I suppose one of the pitfalls is that potentially everyone in the world could listen to it. So you're, I think you're aware of that when you, when you start doing it. But I think ultimately you you know the topics are interesting and yeah. you know the people that you've selected are good storytellers to go back to be a storytelling that, you know, we, we, we've all got to be creative and, and piece together that evidence and, and make a story that's, that's you know, in, in, enjoyable to listen to because, you know, people need... If you know if the local community doesn't feel um, you know a connection to to your work, then the local council won't, mm -hmm. then funding bodies won't. So you know it's it's in everybody's interest to 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 make this the stories that we're telling sort of interesting. So um, yeah, I, I I enjoyed it as an opportunity just to I knew these stories were interesting and I knew that if we could get them out there, that then people would 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 agree with us. So. Talking about these specific interviews that we've done, what one do you reckon for our listeners, for our viewers, what shocked you the most? What was the most surprising one that they can go back and listen to? No, the most surprising one, I think, is is probably the second one we did, which was the second part of a, of a two-parter with uh, Dr. Ryan K. McNutt um, from the uh, uh, University of Georgia Southern in, in the States, is an old friend of mine. And he has this amazing site. So, you know, just a bit of background that it's a, it was a, a prisoner of war camp built by slaves. So the Confederates forced the slaves to, 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 to build this prisoner of war camp. And it was for Union prisoners of war, just basically, essentially a, a, a huge fence around a field with, uh, with guards, armed guards um, in, uh, I think they called them pigeon roosters or something like that around the outside. So if you went over the the literal deadline, which was something interesting, we found out, you know, they're literally just a, a a line. And if you crossed that, you'd be you'd be shot. And I knew about that. Um, I've, I've, you know, they, they have excellent outreach and, on social media and, and, and their website. And I've just known, obviously, Ryan, and I, I've talked about this, this site. You know, it's really 10,000 people in a field, terrible conditions, and one of the worst winters I think they'd ever had at that stage, and certainly in recorded history in 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 Georgia. You know, people are starving. 
And yeah, I saw new parts of that story, but I think the the most surprising thing was when, you know, there's there's the great work that Richard Osgood and the Ministry of Defence do with Operation Nightingale, you know, getting veterans to today to to dig uh, on archaeological sites because it's something that's really good. It gets you out of yourself. So for your mental health, actually physically doing archaeology or whatever it is you can do in history, archaeology, community projects, I encourage anyone if they've got something to to go out because you get to you get to meet people. You can do it virtually if you don't want to 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 go out. Um, but if you can um, and you can do archaeology, it's just it's you know it's that working in the soil that things same with thing that you know gardening is is very therapeutic. Um, so I, I was aware of the sort of connection, especially the the um, the work also at, at Waterloo as well. They've got a lot of veterans, uh, sort of Dr. Tony Pollard, sort of Dr. So Professor Tony Pollard, and and the team. Um, at Waterloo Uncovered, who I think are on site at the moment. So I was aware of that link between veterans and and, and between mental health and, and archaeology. But I think it was when Ryan talked to us about that these people, you know, this is the, 18, the end of 1864 that this camp opens up, it's just open for a few months before they, they have to move the prisoners because the Union Army is marching at, at pace to the south that um you know these people have been fighting maybe for several years that maybe you know just got off uh you know they'd come off as as, as my uh, migrants and then they'd been put into the union army so really traumatic experiences mm-hmm. and some of them might have been fighting since you know 1861 so there's you know there's you've got thousands of people there that are suffering from um you know post traumatic uh tra- trauma essentially P- P- PTSD and and then you were thinking and then he the way he was describing you know because we've got we've got letters we've got diaries and people were talking about people just essentially you know going off you know literally digging their own grave and sort of lying down in it and I, I that was just you know again I'm still even talking about it now it's it's yeah it was a very unpleasant thing to talk about but it's something that I hadn't really considered so that was the thing over the, the series so far that kind of really kind of shocked me, I would say. Yeah, it's it's the, adding the personal story to these, I suppose, massive historical events that kind of brings it home to us in a modern, uh, I suppose, I was going to say audience. Audience is the wrong word, but uh, modern people. And um, we also did quite a bit of uh, Viking stuff in this season, which I know you're massively interested in as a, as a Viking boy yourself. Um, some of the times that we uh, go to record, I dread having to do a Viking one because I'm like, Tom's going to get excited here. <laughs> How is there anything? I suppose what stood out to you in in, in some of our Viking content this season? So yeah, Viking content. Yeah, we we did quite a lot of early medieval content, and I I, I can only apologise, but I think you'll agree <laughs> it's all been it's all been fascinating, and of course I would say that, but genuinely, um, we'll talk about Emma. Uh, Emma Brownlee on on her burials later, but in terms of purely specifically Viking, um, we also had Tanaya uh, Jorgensen and and Adrian Maldonado. And with Tanaya's, it was I think when she talked about, she had a great line which you know I was quoting to you earlier. I said we've got to mention this, and it was when she was talking about the the the, the ripples of power mm-hmm. that were coming out of this Carlingian, you know, the Franks, Charlemagne, and his and his heirs. Um, that were coming out of essentially what is you know, parts of 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 modern uh, France and and Germany and and, and uh, the Low Countries and Luxembourg and a huge area, 
but when you've got this sort of super state in your borders, very much as the the sort of Germanic tribes, if you will, and the Picts say had had developed really because of their sharing a border with the Roman super state, that um, it was fascinating to think of the the influence that the 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 Carolingians, for for uh, for want of a better term, had on the, the southern Scandinavians. So what we think of now is essentially the Danes, but of course the Danes at that, at that period in the 9th century are also in uh, southern Sweden and, and, and southern Norway. But the influence that the Carolingians have, basically you've, 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 got to, you've got to buck your ideas up because if you don't, they will come in and uh, make you Christians and probably kill all of you, which is very much the, the Carolingian way that as the Saxons find out to, to their, their cops you're going to be enslaved or, or or killed or certainly at the very least taken away from your sort of traditional gods. So I think with Tanai's one, she's done amazing work on 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 mapping the movements of the Vikings. And that's something you know um that you should you should listen to the podcast for. Um, but she's also got this amazing interactive map and you can sort of see again the effects of this ripples of power and the movements that are happening happening partially as a result I mean, there's lots of other factors but partially result of of this the, the the these again these super states have on you know what would have been thought of as of you know more tribal or uh uh societies which again is, is not words we'd use today but just to, to to give people an idea that um yeah you, you and it's just something that happens and it made you think of the modern world as well when you've got these super states like you know uh the us and and and, and china and the effects that they they have on their neighbors um you know you you have to change um even if they're not directly involved their influence Will, will be huge. So I think seeing that in a an early medieval context was 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 fascinating. And and you know from that you know then you know later on in the season we had Doctor Adrian Maldonado um, from uh, uh, um, um, from the Museum of uh, Scotland and or Museum Scotland more more generally. And he was talking about the Galloway Horde, which I think a lot of people probably listening to this will will have heard of. The most fascinating pro Viking style hordes, um, I should say, that was posted around the year nine hundred, but it's full of this most eclectic, brilliant mix of of of, of contents. It's got a silver cup that still had its lid on it that contains some of the biggest treasures in it, um, and the silver cup has Zoroastrian fire temples on it. Because um, originally everyone thought it was more like a Carlingian cup, because you do get Carlingian style cups that are used for Viking hordes elsewhere in Britain around about the same time. Um, so the amazing stories that uh, Adrian and his colleagues are, are are beginning to sort of tease out um, from that, I think, was fascinating. The fact is that you know you you had these these dirt balls. Uh, now now dirt balls are basically imagine if you get some very clay soil, which is uh, many of you will be archaeologists, you'll know you'll know how to define. Uh, uh, silty and clay soils you have to write about them in, in a lot for sure um, but essentially when um, so the book again recommending on this is uh, Martin Goldberg and Mary Davis and it comes out of um, um, Museum Scotland and that talks about these dirt balls um, and essentially what, what I, I think it's Martin leading research um, on, 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 on this and then obviously the various uh, scientists that have looked at uh, looked at this and sort of the uh, electron microscope level of things that so there's little balls of dirt but they had little flecks of bone and gold in them certainly gold leaf 
And the idea that they are getting now is that this is from pilgrims, um, going to pilgrimage sites, going to a, a saint's tomb that's maybe a sort of gilded marble uh, um, tomb above it, and they're they're getting a bit of clay soil and they're rubbing it over this tomb, and it becomes a what we call as a contact relic. Um, and maybe what they're doing is they've they've gone into the actual tomb itself where it's just sort of bone dust and things like that, and they've rolled it about in that too. So they've got a little bit of the saint in 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 these balls. I think we were we were we were talking at the end of that podcast that you know you, you've you know um you know if, if they're Vikings or people that are acting like Vikings that that are that are getting you know all these these I call them treasures for want of a better word, but all the silver and the gold and the silks, again amazing textile survivals in the Galloway Horde, but that's maybe been been taken in raids. And so it's it this idea that sinners are getting something that a bit of a saint in uh, in 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 this as well. So that that was that this basically the 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 work and the the literal microscopic detail and the 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 work that the the projects um the National Museum of of Scotland and National Museum Scotland as I say is, is a more general for for all for that group um are are finding and the futures. I mean it's already exciting the stuff they're finding at the moment, but there's just so much more to do um that yeah that that was a revelation to 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 me as well i just want to point out that dirt balls would be a great name for an archaeology podcast if there's anybody else out there wanting to start one dirt balls is the way to go with it or or that that we've already just got copyright on it i think oh yeah sorry it's ours it's ours now yeah that could be the name that, of that, that, that's our spin-off that's our spin-off can be the name uh, of our listeners they can be the dirt balls the dirt ball <laughs> there we go yeah, I just want to point out so. that uh, we were talking about Tanaya. I want to give a shout out to Tanaya in the, the aim of archaeology and creativity. She is uh, one of the founders of this podcast in season one, yep. her and Jansky. So just a quick shout out to them before we move on. Um, you mentioned there Emma Brownlee, who we did an amazing podcast with um, a little while back. And then uh, it became massive news afterwards shortly afterwards do you want to talk a little bit about that and why people should go back and listen to that incredible podcast so yeah um dr emma brownlee um was talking to us about this amazing phenomenon of early medieval bed burial so you know it's it, it is what it says on the tin it's like you're you're buried in your bed you know this idea of comfort um and and death is was 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 very important I mean, today is in particularly in the early medieval period where they would essentially recreate essentially your kind of like your 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 bed chamber um to to take you into into the afterlife. You know, it's that that classic thing I think I said in the podcast, you know, it's the Victorian um uh formula that you find on tombstones, you know, not not dead, only sleeping, you're awaiting awaiting the resurrection, but in comfort. So um, she was given this idea that you know that you could really see because this idea in archaeology that the dead don't bury themselves. And it's something we say, but I think it may, really made me think about it. The fact is, you could really see the sort of loved ones of this person sort of laying them to rest, um, literally, literally and figuratively on on a, on on a bed. So you know, Emma took us through this phenomenon with its origins, maybe in sort of Coptic Egypt, um, and then spreading throughout Europe. There's a sort of concentration uh, in Germany, but then you get this phenomenon. Um, that's linked with the spread of Christianity and elite women that are bringing Christianity to to sort of seventh century Anglo-Saxon uh, England. And she talked about you know, some examples of of those burials, like the Harpole Treasure Burial, which is a probable bed burial as well. But also, we ended on the the Trumpington 
uh, uh, burial as well, which is another um, uh, bed burial. And uh, yeah, and just after that, it became this 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 huge news because they'd done a facial reconstruction of of the woman who'd been uh, buried there. And yeah, that that went around the world. And um, yeah, we we've 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 I've spoken to Emma and and, and the team, and uh, we're hopeful soon we will be able to record a podcast with um, uh, Emma and all her brilliant colleagues. That have done this full range of, sort of scientific and isotopic analysis of of the bones that we know about the 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 origin of of of, of the person buried. So yeah, it's you you know we we're linking into news stories and then we're reacting to them as well. So hopefully that's something for our, our listeners and viewers to 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 enjoy in the future. Exciting. And um, we, we did Dr. Der Turns Christian was somebody we interviewed at another point. Um, speaking about, I guess, American history, which is something almost everybody knows quite a bit about because we're growing up. We grow up on American culture and American television pretty much all over the world. Uh, but in this, there was there was kind of a bombshell towards the end of this. Um, so yeah, um, as you alluded to, really huge news from the uh, podcast with uh, Dr. Uh, Terence uh, Christian, um, also supported um, by uh, Dr. Amanda Charland, another really good friend of mine. Um, and yeah, so they they're doing some commercial archaeology, very you know, very much like like we do, but they were doing it in uh, in Western um, uh, Pennsylvania, and of course, for people who know that in in the eighteenth century. Pennsylvania, Western Pennsylvania, the forks of the Ohio. This part of the world is is where kind of everything comes out of because everyone is kind of fighting over this sort of strategic area that you control these river systems, and then you know everybody wants to expand, you know, west. Ultimately, um, you know, not not good news for um, First Nations and, and Native Americans, but that's what the colonists want to do. So there's a lot of friction about that both between the, the French colonists in, in 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 Canada and and uh the essentially the this the essentially sort of British colonists and what was then the, the 13 colonies. So there's tension amongst that. And then there's also tensions as well between um the, the 13 colonies and uh, and Britain. Um because they, they want to expand West and they don't want to pay taxes to to um to, to cover what the British, certainly from the British perspective, um, was a huge increase. You have to put a standing army in, you have to fight wars to protect this. So there's a lot of tension, just a huge amount of tension. So Christian was like going into essentially a, a, a tiny uh, aspect of this uh, as part of commercial archaeology. And he was just asked to look at a historic property uh, in, in, in Pennsylvania in a place called uh, Bedford. And the the owners thought it was an important maybe a sort of 18th 19th century historic structure that had been built into the structure that they just purchased and terence and, and amanda went to to have a look you know they're paid as commercial archaeologists i say is the work that we do and the work that they've they were uncovering and revealing on this podcast was that um it it looked very much like this was part of a tavern, so a tavern, not just like a pub, but a, a hotel as well, that was just outside the, the 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 British fort that was there. The British fort was there during what what we would call the Seven Years' War in North America, and the, the Americans and Canadians called the the French and Indian War, um, because that was the British fight, fighting the, uh, the 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 French and the Native Americans. Um, so there was a fort there, and there were lots of campaigns in that area, and the the fort at Bedford had this tavern just outside it, and that's where the, the officers 
um, would go. And who was an officer at that time? A young British officer uh, in, in, in the militia, or um, as you might have interpreted it, he, uh, he was uh, George Washington. So um, when Terence and Amanda were discovered that this dated to the, the mid-18th century, then you could say, you know, um, reasonably argue that, you know, this is this is literally a space that George Washington could have discovered. And, you know, if you're if you're from the United States, that is obviously huge news. And it just shows you commercial archaeology is not just it's it's not. You know what we think of it. You think of it as somebody in a, uh, 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 in a in a in a muddy field uh, somewhere in Britain, Ireland, or or or, or Europe for for our business. But it, you can be you know, inside a, a a historic building somewhere in Western Pennsylvania, and you can be finding something that you know could really have a big impact on regional and sort of national history. Yeah, well, commercial archaeology you mentioned there, uh, which brings us a little bit closer to home. We did some interviews. Within our own company, we we interviewed uh, Trish Long, Ed Lang, Ken Hanley about the M28 project. And we also did a separate interview with uh, Jennifer McCarthy, who worked on that project, among others, for the company. I think these podcasts really showed how important commercial archaeology is and how, I guess, well-structured it is. Because you see all these people working together and uh, for one aim, which is obviously history, archaeology, and to, for, for TII to build better road structures. What's your take on, I guess, commercial archaeology from, from listening to those people speak about it with such passion and interest? I think that's it. You, you know, we will just, you'll just see a logo um, yeah. on something, and you know, very attractive logos of TII and, and, and Cork County Council say, and you'll say these are these big sort of monolithic organisations, and you know they're they're directing money and resource, and this thing happens, and this thing is the the project, the engineering project, the mega project, and the archaeology happen, and that's it. But talking to to Ken Hanley and Ed Line and Jennifer McCarthy showed you that they're just like us you know like people that are listening to and watching this now that they are people who are genuinely interested in archaeology and they know the responsibility of reporting that and as we're saying telling this story uh, to the local and national and international communities so that that's what came across that you know they, they all had a you know they're still archaeologists they they you know we're we're professionals um you know we, we work in these huge engineering projects but you know we're still archaeologists we still love finding that tiny fragment of of that someone was holding three or four thousand years ago and you know as, as jennifer says you know you're that feeling that you're the, the first person to hold it since since it was dropped and say in the bronze age and you know that that came across as you say their their, their passion and interest was over and above what they needed to do for their jobs they were interested in it they you know they're part of that community as well so they want to tell that story and um yeah I and mean, we knew that but I think it's important that you know every, everybody can understand that because you know it might just be seen as this sort of sort of as I say this sort of very sort of process driven activity of like you know, project is commissions paid for some archaeology happens on the side and then people move on but it's very much not this 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 is 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 archaeologists you know uh, appreciating their environment appreciating local community and being able to tell these these amazing stories. Okay, so I guess, like, for me as an outsider, 
looking in on archaeology, it's really struck me how important, I guess, commercial archaeology is because these things are done. I know this sounds like I'm towing the company line, which I am a bit, but it's it's what I've noticed is these things are done so professionally, so quickly, to a budget, to a deadline, but it's what's very important for that area. Like if we take, say, Carrigaline and Ring of Skinny where M28 is at the moment, that um, locality is really enjoying what's been found. We've had... Um, Schools come visit the sites. We've had Trish Lan go out and give talks to schools, to community groups. We've had the Tidy Towns groups in Carrigaline come and look at the site and visit it. And it's amazing to see that kind of outreach happening in local areas because you hear of these big, massive schemes and sometimes they can be looked at maybe negatively or how they're affecting an area. You only see diggers going in and things like that. For them to actually get to see these positives, I think, is amazing. It's It's great. And to get the videos and these podcasts on top of that to spread it out to, I guess, the world is um, even more amazing, I think. And, yeah, that's the kind of thing I'd like to, you know, I've, my background was 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 in TV and documentaries. And so when I came to this company and found out we had someone of, of your level of professionalism and, and skill and experience, I was absolutely overjoyed. So, you know, th- this is probably a question really from my my, 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 my TV background, but... How, as as you you say, Rat picks sometimes unfairly that you're kind of an outsider to archaeology. You know, we're getting you now. Don't worry, you're 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 in the building, as it were. How how have you found filming with archaeologists? You know, we're a funny bunch, and 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 being and being on site. You know, it's, I suppose your perspective as a documentarian, I think that's the word, and documentary maker, and uh, you know, as a non-archaeologist, you know, going to going to these sites and and, and, and talking to archaeologists and, and recording them? I think it helps that I'm a non-archaeologist doing it because I I probably ask what to you and to them would seem like a stupid question or a silly question. But for making a video like we're making, you're not necessarily making it for other archaeologists. Obviously, they are going to look at it as well, but you're making it for the public, for the people in the area, for possibly clients for the company, that kind of a thing. So being a non-archaeologist, I think, really helps me in that sense. How I found it is I find it fascinating. Every time I get to make something, I'm now learning something. Do you know what I mean? Like before, a lot of my background would have been filming stuff to do with wrestling, which I I wouldn't say I'm an expert in, but it's my field, effectively. Um, Or would have been to do with acting or theatre or restaurant and bar work, where I did a lot of my own... I suppose, filming and documentary making. That would have been stuff that I know an awful lot about. Archaeology, I know very little about. So it's it's amazing to, it's amazing experience for me to get to make these videos. And I now have a log on our YouTube, on our Twitter, on our Facebooks and Instagram of my learning experience throughout of what I'm filming and what I'm doing. Every time I get to talk to somebody, it's fascinating. Like um, there's a video coming out soon spoilers the video coming out soon about a neolithic house um that was found on site and yes and uh, <laughs> we got to talk to philip who's um who was in charge of finding it and talking to shirley who is a lithic expert who found some of the stuff there and getting to talk to those people is incredible because i know nothing about it they know an awful lot about these things and i get a first hand look at these things i get 
to be the first person to ask them questions about these yeah. things and bring them to an audience effectively it's, it's incredible i love it and you say archaeologists are an odd bunch that makes it even better you know what i mean it's yeah <laughs> it's more fun you're getting to talk to these um interesting characters all the time i love it and what then you know i yeah i i, I, yeah, I the directors will be listening to these what what would you what would you like to do now would you like to make maybe something more ambitious like a sort of a day in the life a sort of mini documentary mm -hmm. sort of level of things well, there's, where there's something like that in the works at the moment actually yeah. there is um my plan I might as well just say it. I'm, I'm planning on making a day in the life of our post-ex team who work in the office here where I am. I'm looking at the stuff they're doing and it's fascinating. And because it's just in our post-ex area out the back, it's not necessarily been brought to the public yet. My aim is to film a day in the life, uh, specifically focusing on Serena, who's the supervisor there, um, and seeing what they're doing, what they're uncovering, what they're finding as they're working on our M28 uh, scheme, the stuff that's been found there. So I think it's going to be it's something to look forward to. If you're not subscribed to our YouTube channel, if you're listening to this on Spotify or on Apple Podcasts, head on over to our, our YouTube channel and hit subscribe because there's going to be an awful lot of new content coming, including things like that, which I think are interesting if you're interested in archaeology, if you're interested in people, if you're interested in stories, it's going to be a good little um, short documentary, I suppose. And we've got a lot coming up as well. We're talking about, obviously, the Festival of Archaeology, mm -hmm. which is obviously more in the, the UK side of things. Um, but we've got Heritage Week coming up in, uh, in in Ireland in August. So maybe you'd just like to give some uh, hints and some spoilers, if you will, on, on, on what's happening with that in terms well, of, of our and your involvement. As well as the social media content creation side of things i also work in the office here as the office manager so uh, part of my daily task is organizing events and um, finding rooms for talks that kind of a thing so i have a very close look at everything that's going on with heritage week i there's nothing set in stone yet but we're in the middle of organizing lots of different talks um obviously pending available spaces, available people, that kind of a thing. But there's going to be an awful lot happening for Heritage Week. Obviously, we will keep you up to date, get as much videos, as much photos, as much content as we can. So make sure to follow us on all of our social medias to, to stay abreast of that. But we're we're planning an awful lot, including something that's in its uh, early stages at the moment. Uh, we have an exhibition of our M28 photography in the Carrigaline Library, which is the... I guess the nearest big town to the to the scheme. In that local library, there's an exhibition of photographs all taken by our site staff. I think that's what makes it interesting. It's what makes Red River and Rubicon different, I suppose, in that they're they're showcasing not only the archaeology work of our amazing staff, but the the creative work and the, the photography of them as well. And so you can go and see that in the Carrigaline Library at the moment, uh, all throughout July. And that will be transferring to the Cove Library in August, which will uh, cover Heritage Week. And in the August one, it's going to become bigger. There'll be talks at it. Um, there'll be more photographs and um, hopefully a bit of fun. And some of the videos will be on display that we've made throughout the year on that project as well. So it's all stuff made by in-house staff. That's what I think is incredible about this exhibition. Yeah, and as you say, it's, it's something our company you know, our company, our group is 
you know, out, out with, to use a Scottish word, Heritage Week and, and the Festival of Archaeology, we we love these these festivals and uh, and weeks because it's something that we just want to do anyway, and yeah. uh, it's something we've been we've been doing a, a lot over the last uh, two or three years on. Um, you know, say with with Tanaya uh, and John Ski with the, the podcast and 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 the John Ski videos and the videos that um, that Luke is now making as well. That it's just something 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 that we want to do and because we've both got that quite long experience in sort of web and, and and media you know traditional media myself and television and 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 look um, with podcasting and, and 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 videos as well it's just something that comes natural to us and um, we we've we found a, a company in a group that allows us to 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 tell these stories so you have to go back to the the the, the beginning of the festival of archaeology you know we're 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 telling telling stories. We're not telling tales. We're we're telling we're telling stories, and um, I I I love it. And you know you it, yeah. it, it, these jobs where you you look forward to to going into work, and this is this is certainly one of them. We hope that you're enjoying this, and you hope we're enjoying just us chatting about the the sort of process. You know, um, hopefully it's more interesting than or or, or than how the how a sausage is made. So I think the whole thing is like don't don't ever <laughs> don't ever find out the thoughts behind it. But hopefully this is given you know people some insight because there'll be lots of people there that are just starting jobs or juniors and and social media or juniors and outreach and they they want to hear sort of uh, a couple of people that have been doing it for a few years and we're still making mistakes we're still experimenting it it's still fun you'll make mistakes on a daily basis but yeah we're, we're just all trying to do that same thing and get people to you know hear these amazing stories about, about history archaeology and sort of community heritage Absolutely. And that's why I think this festival that we're talking about is is so important because archaeology and creativity are linked together completely, it seems. You can see that in that exhibition that we have at the moment in Carrigaline. The, the, the people on site are the one are the artists, they are the creatives that are being showcased in that, similar to all these videos that go up online are, are showcasing people. Um, it's amazing. It's incredible. If you're interested in this uh, sort of thing, in these videos, in these podcasts, in how they're made, as we say in this, stay tuned. Keep coming back. Hit subscribe on your podcast app. Hit subscribe or follow anywhere you're hearing this or seeing this on social media, on YouTube. Leave us a comment anywhere you can. Let us know what you'd like to see. Let us know what you thought of these episodes. If you go back and listen to the old episodes, let us know which ones are your favourite. Uh, who would you like to see as a guest on again? Um, all these things. This is your podcast. We're doing this for you. It's all in the name of outreach. It's all in the name of getting these stories, getting these voices heard. Um, and that's what we want to do. That's what we love to do. So let us know how you're enjoying it. And uh, yeah, just leave it to me from behalf of uh, our, ourselves in the Red River Archaeology Group. Um, thank you very much for listening and uh, we'll hopefully uh, see you again soon.